Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a quick moment to say thank you guys so much. You guys have been so supportive of this podcast and it does not go unnoticed and it is helping us get our feet on the ground and to establish ourselves in the podcast space. So that being said, if you are enjoying the People We Follow podcast and you want to hear more, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review. This really helps us out and it's totally free 99 for you guys to do that. Other free things you can do to help us out are simply share on social media when you're listening and tuning into us. DM me your thoughts on these episodes because as a host, that really helps me know how to curate these episodes to your liking. But thank you guys so much for all you've done so far and can't wait to share more with you. You're listening to the People We Follow podcast a podcast dedicated to starting important conversations and a platform to spotlight influencers, creatives, and other inspirational personalities. I'm your host, Bria Jones. Enjoy the show. We have Delaney on the podcast today, and I am so excited because I have gotten to know her. Well, first of all, I'm like, I feel special because I'm kind of an OG follower. I'm just going to give myself that title because I've been following you since like you were the styled seed and I have just loved watching you grow and evolve and you are like such an inspiration to so many people so we're stoked to have you oh thank you so much for having me I'm so honored and excited to be here yay well let's jump right on into some of the questions we have um I just wanted to start like with your backstory and what were you doing before you got into the world of influencing and like, where did you go to school? Okay. So, um, I went to school in Reno, Nevada, where I grew up and I actually decided to get into blogging pretty much right after I graduated college. Um, and at the time, and also geographically speaking, I feel like Reno isn't really a place where blogging is a thing. Um, I didn't really even know anything about it, but I knew that I always loved fashion and I also love visual arts and I wanted to create content and share it with the world. So I vaguely knew about the concept of blogging and I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a camera and I'm going to start a blog. Um, and that's pretty much where everything started. When you graduated from college, were you already thinking about going into that field or did you start another kind of job first? So it was kind of a a unique situation when I graduated college because Clayton, my boyfriend, was a semester behind me in college um, and we were staying together, but he was getting a job after college that he already knew about that was in the Bay Area. So it was kind of like this weird in-between time where I knew I was going to move in six months, um, but I was done with college. So it was like, okay, what should I do? So um, all throughout college, I was a nanny. So I continued to do that for those six months. And then I just kind of started the blog for fun. And then when we moved to the Bay Area six months later, um, I actually started working for Clayton's dad, who owns a construction company, um, and I did administrative work in an office, and um, 
you know, that just didn't work out because it doesn't suit my personality at all. Mm -hmm. So what was it kind of like for you to realize that you weren't in a place you wanted to be in and you had other goals? Did you create, I guess, like an exit strategy so that you could start working on your own? Yeah. So, um, I actually had like an interesting, I mean, I was still blogging while I was working there, just doing everything on the weekends. And then on my lunch breaks, I would read books about writing and I would do research online for, you know, what hashtags to use and what kind of photos I wanted to be taking. And I was just like diving in every second I could that I had free time, which was obviously, um, assigned to me that, I was passionate about that. And I realized, you know, it didn't matter what kind of job I was doing. If I wasn't happy, I felt like I was going to die inside, basically. Like I thought who I am was no longer going to exist. So I just realized I have to do something I'm passionate about. I have to do something that I love because that's just the kind of person I am. Yes, that absolutely hits different because... I know exactly what you're talking about with that feeling. Like, it's almost like this dread. If you don't figure it out, it's like, what is the purpose? And I had the same epiphany when I was working in corporate America. I had to peel myself out of the bed like every day. And I was just like, is this really what life has to be? And I was fully convinced for a while that it was. And that was the scariest feeling for me. So, I can totally relate with that as well. I realized even if I had a job that paid me so much money that I could afford a private jet and go anywhere in the world that I wanted to on the weekends, but I had to return to a job that I didn't like Monday through Friday, it would never be worth it for me. Like I would still be miserable. So, you know, I just realized I don't care if I don't even make very much money. I just want to do something that I'm happy doing every day of the week. Yeah, that's honestly everything. And I think when people figure that out and accept it, it's a scary feeling to accept because, you know, when you decide to go for something that is not conventional, it's it's terrifying, but it's so worth it. And I'm glad that you figured that out too. So what did your family think when you were telling them you wanted to take on you know, a job that was more creative? Were they fully supportive or did they have any hesitance with that? Yeah. So I feel like my family has always been really supportive about it. Um, especially my mom, I feel like she really pushed me to keep going at it and pursue it because she knows, um, obviously who I am and what I enjoy in life. And she also knows that that was hard and scary for me to push myself into something that was so non-conventional. But I really appreciate her and Clayton both doing that a lot because I don't think I would be where I am if they weren't like that. Um, And on the other side of that with family, sometimes I would say the only thing is that there's just a disconnect sometimes on what my job is. And some people in my family don't understand that at all. Um, And I think that there is some judgment that has been passed before just because it's like, what are you doing? Like you're taking pictures of yourself and like getting free clothes and you're calling this a career. Like, what is this? Like, so there's a little bit of that, but I would, I would never say that anyone wasn't supportive of what I was doing. Maybe just a little confused about what I was doing. Yeah. And would you, I mean, would you say that 
typically those people, are they even on Instagram? Like, do they see what you're doing or is it just kind of like you trying to explain it to them? Yeah, I would say it's people that are completely um, aloof about social media as a whole. And it's just sort of um, like a generational gap that's hard Mm -hmm. to bridge. So it's understandable, but it is just like, a tricky thing to navigate because if you have a traditional job, then your family wants to talk about, you know, your tasks and what you do and what's going on at your job. But when they don't understand your job at all, it's kind of hard to discuss it. And that's like a little tough because our job, our career is so much a part of our lives. So it's hard not to always be able to like communicate about that with your loved ones. Totally. I honestly have had those conversations too a million times and sometimes I'm like you know what don't even worry about it I just do internet stuff (laughs) exactly easier said that way so what was the first year of self-employment like for you the first year of self-employment was very interesting and challenging I would say I think anyone who works from home or is self-employed can probably relate to this um it's just figuring out logistically what to do with your day, what to do with your time. Um, And I'm a very motivated person, but it's still really hard not having anyone giving you any guidance or, you know, any schedule to go along with. It's hard to figure out how you're going to do that yourself. And I think that was the hardest thing for me. Um, And I would also relate my first year of self-employment as almost like an apprenticeship Um, Because in this industry in particular, it's really strange that, you know, probably your first year of work in this industry, you won't get paid very much, if anything, at all. And in other industries, that's pretty rare, I feel like, Um, because even if you're starting at like a basic level, there's still some form of compensation. Whereas in this industry, um, for a while, people just want to give you, you know, free clothes, which is great, but it doesn't pay your bills and you can't eat free clothes. So it's like, you're kind of literally just like working for free for a while, which is really unique and interesting. Yeah. And I guess, you know, and I feel like a lot of content creators are going to listen to this episode specifically. So one thing, like you're saying, you might not make hardly any money your first year. And I think that was for me, I didn't realize that at all. Nobody told me, obviously there's like no book on what to expect when you decide to do this. So that was a very rude awakening for me. I I was personally, I was out like grub hubbing, like delivering food on the side because I did not realize there would be such this disconnect between bringing in revenue. So do you have any tips for people who might be in that first year of trying to figure out ways to, you know, support themselves during that until things start to take off? Yeah, so I feel like the best way is just to get creative um, and sort of think outside the box. So for me in particular, when I was in that stage, I did a lot of outreach um, for more unique projects. So I would partner with local small businesses who needed content. And then I would also use that content as my personal content to post to grow my page. Um, I wasn't getting paid to post or anything, but they could pay me a little bit of money to produce the content for them. So I feel like that was kind of like 
a unique angle that I took when I was at that stage. Um, and then once you have more following, you obviously can get paid for your advertising because there's more eyes on your content. But until you get to that stage, I think you just have to be more creative. You know, if you like photography, maybe you offer photography services. Um, if you're comfortable doing modeling for brands, you can do that or content creation, um, even social media strategy for a company, anything like that. Just kind of do a spinoff of what you're already doing and find ways to get revenue until you're able to grow a big enough following to get paid to post. Yeah, creativity is absolutely everything <laughs> during that time and even beyond. You always got to think of different ways to bring in money and don't put all your eggs in one basket anyhow. So you are known as the fashion guru. You have amazing beauty content and you even throw in some lifestyle and showcase so much fun stuff with Clayton. Where did your love for fashion start? I have... I'm pretty sure I came out of the womb loving fashion um, <laughs> because my mom tells me and I semi remember um, when I was as little as like three years old, I never let my mom do my hair. I never let her dress me. I had to do all of that myself. And I've been literally changing my outfit like three to five times a day since I was three years old. And oh, wow. I remember being super attached to particular items in my closet when I was really little. Like I had a pair of red patent like combat boots almost that I was very attached to. Um, and even I went to private school growing up, so I had to wear a uniform. And um, somehow still at the end, at eighth grade when we graduated, I was voted best dressed, which is like, I don't even know how because we all wore the same thing, but I feel like that's a testament to my love for fashion in my life, you know, that I was somehow seen as that even though we were wearing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also one thing that's really cool about you is how you own everything that, like when I say you own it, like you don't let the piece wear you. You wear the piece. Does that make sense? Like totally. there's just some energy about how you put these pieces together and showcase them. So like, yeah, I could totally see how your eighth grade friends would be like, yeah, we all look the same, but like we don't because Delaney is just slaying a little <laughs> bit more for some reason. Yeah. It's just your energy. Question on like trends and how you keep up with everything. Cause personally, I find it so hard to know what's the next best thing coming up. What do I need to start purchasing? How do you look to see what the next best things are in the fashion trend world? I feel like in general, the trends just pick up on social media and everybody like kind of falls in line. Um, and I definitely am influenced in that sense. Like if I see every blogger start to post um, some certain style and like, okay, this style is like really growing on me and this looks so cute on so many girls. Like I want to try this out. So I feel like mm -hmm. that happens a lot. Um, and then I also just feel like so many things are just intrinsic to like who you are. So mm -hmm. for example, it might not be like the hottest trend of the season and it doesn't have to be out of trend either, but some things are just like, I'm always going to be drawn to boots I'm always going to be drawn to uh baggy t-shirts like these are things that I just feel like I've always liked and I'm always going to like so I just gravitate towards them and then depending on the time um they're just adjusted a little bit to like what is 
going on around me and what I'm exposed to on social media and Pinterest and even just like street style. I mean, not really during a pandemic am I exposed to that, but before, (laughs) you know, it's like what you see on the street influences you too. Um, So I feel like it's all very like subconscious almost. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And you do a really great job of curating all those pieces and making it even this creative, artistic piece of work on social media. So what's your content creation process like taking a trend that you like in the real world or creating that, you know, something unique to your own style? And how do you formulate something to put it out to the world, if that makes sense? Yeah. So, um, first of all, thank you. That was very sweet of you to say. Um, and I would say the content creation process is, you know, probably like any creative process. It's a little bit messy. It's a little bit unorganized. It's a little bit of chaos. Um, and so I feel like I kind of just like round up pieces that I'm like, okay, this is like something I want to try. This is something that I feel like is going on right now. And I want to like put my own spin on it or just attempt it. And um, so I, I start with the pieces and then probably my favorite part of this industry is actual styling. Like I love just putting clothes together and deciding like what goes with them. And I love all of that way more than I love like getting ready or actually executing that photo or something because the vision is there in my head Mm -hmm. always, but it doesn't mean I can always get the photo that I'm thinking of. Um, So the styling part is very pleasing to me because I am able to like put together the vision in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that's where like the most creative juices flow for me is when I'm styling and I'm like, okay, this is the particular trend, but here are the pieces that I'm going to pull in that are like my personal style. And they're really making this feel like it's my look and I'm not just like copying someone's Instagram outfit or something, if that makes sense. Totally, totally. So when you're putting those pictures together, and I don't want you to give us the whole breakdown because I want people to go watch the YouTube video that you already made. Um, What are some of your favorite resources, tools, apps to use to curate the pictures that you create? So I would say first and foremost, um, I am a classic blogger in the sense that I care what my feed looks like. Um, So Unum is my favorite app for feed planning, which basically just lets you lay out all your photos and decide what looks good next to each other. Um, So that is huge to me. And then for editing and things, I really, really love Lightroom. I feel like it's such an important editing app, probably the most important editing app. Um, You can adjust colors, you can adjust lighting, you can adjust... The details, um, that's where I do like my straightening, my cropping, all that good stuff. So I feel like that's just like a classic app. Um, And then I also love Visco. They have tons of presets on there that are all really good and can pretty much match any mood you're going for. Um, So those are probably my top three, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Those are like the staples for me as well. So if you guys want to see how Delaney does it, go check out her YouTube YouTube, YouTube channel and see the video she already did on editing Instagram pictures because it's very, very helpful. Moving on into what it's like having a platform and speaking on important issues, I feel like right now we're seeing such 
an uprise in, you know, influencers realizing how they need to, this platform is a responsibility. And I think followers are holding influencers accountable as they should. So it's kind of this pivotal moment of, you know, learning how to step up and speak and educate. So, you know, what has that been like for you during the Black Lives Matter movement and pretty much everything that's gone on in the world? Why do you think it's important to use your platform during these times? So I feel like it's a very unique situation to be an influencer and have that opportunity. Um, And it gets a little bit tricky because obviously for someone like myself, I've built my platform and I've built all of these people following me around the idea of fashion, beauty, and lifestyle. That is what they came here for. Um, And I obviously have a duty to provide that to them because that's basically how I got them to come here. So um, it gets a little bit tricky because that's what I've built it around. And then at the same time, it's like, there's some really important pressing issues going on in the world. Like public health is obviously super important. Uh, Human rights is obviously super important. And when things like this are at the forefront of everybody's mind, it is a privilege and an opportunity for influencers to be able to give their opinions on those things and show where they stand. Um, So I feel very passionately about that and I think it's really important. So personally, I have been maybe more vocal than some of my peers in this industry on issues like the pandemic or Black Lives Matter. Um, And I've gotten so much positive feedback on things like that from my audience. Like, thank you for promoting this. Thank you for educating us, whatever it might be. Um, And so I feel like that was a really good learning lesson for me because it's scary as a fashion blogger to post things like that because nobody comes to you for the news. Nobody comes to you for your opinion on Mm -hmm. coronavirus. But um, (laughs) like I said, it's this privilege and this opportunity to be able to speak about something that you feel passionately about that affects a bunch of people. Um, So it's kind of like a tricky journey, I feel like, to tackle that appropriately and also effectively. But I think I'm just learning as I go um, how much my audience will kind of absorb what I'm saying and how I can really go about that effectively. Yeah. And you've been doing an amazing job. I have to say, you know, for me as a Black creator, it it was like in the beginning, very difficult to see so many of my peers who are influencers that I know have large platforms not wanting, or maybe they wanted to, I won't say that, but just not utilizing the space that they've created to at least say something and, you know, understand the influence goes past the clothes. And it was very reassuring to see you and, you know, a lot of other creators that did step up um, because I felt like, you know, especially in the Black community with everything going on with Black Lives Matter, it was a very painful time to digest everything that was going on and process how our peers were also reacting to it. It just kind of added a little salt to the wound. So I think you're doing a fabulous job and so many others are. And even if it is difficult, you know, the fact that you are doing the legwork and the fact that we've had conversations and you're asking for my opinion on certain things, you know, it just goes such a long way. So if you guys want to follow someone that is definitely 
doing more than just the clothes and stuff, you need to follow people like Delaney because they're actually making huge impacts with this movement. So kudos to you. Thank you. Of course. So with the Black Lives Matter movement in particular, what would you say have you been doing to educate yourself on this topic so that you can speak to your followers better? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that I've been doing. Um, I think for me personally, a way that I learn is through reading. So there's a ton of books out there to help educate us on, you know, what it's like to be Black in America or what it's like even to be white in America and not know anything about what it's like to be Black in America. Um, So things like that have been really helpful for me to read to better understand this really complex social web that I've always been a part of, but I wasn't even aware that I was a part of. Um, And then something else that's been like hugely helpful to me is just talking with my Black friends and also my Black community on social media. Um, which I'm so grateful for you and so many other people who have been willing to have conversations with me and share your experiences and give advice um, and also be supportive in this process of learning more about how we can do things better in the future and how I can show up better for the Black community because I know that that is not always easy for people to do. So I really appreciate when someone is willing to share that with me. Um, And then lastly, there's also a lot of visual things that we can digest to help learn on this. Um, For me in particular, I'm just really not good at watching anything sad. Um, So I've been watching Dear White People, um, Mm -hmm. the show on Netflix, because it's just much easier for me to like focus and digest and everything because that's just like, I don't watch sad movies. Like I've never even seen The Notebook. So (laughs) yeah, so um, for me in particular, that is one that's like really stood out to me. Um, I know it's important to watch some of like the hard, sad things too. So they're on my list. I'm going to get to it, but I am really grateful for something like Dear White People that's a little bit um, more, like I can just watch it every day and then absorb more that way. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it too, because I feel like, you know, one of the things that's been hardest for at least me with everything going on is just the information overload and visual videos, like, you know, seeing very triggering things and not even having a heads up, like, hey, this is a video of a man getting lynched. Like, it's been incredibly traumatizing to see all of this on the internet and just not really knowing when it's going to come up. So I've had to literally just stop scrolling. And I love that you found these alternatives. Like I've never seen Dear White People. I've heard of it, but now I'm like, okay, let me check this out because if it's an easier way to digest things and communicate that to my audience, like that's super helpful. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. You should definitely watch it. I feel like um, it's, it's like a really enjoyable show and from like a white person's point of view, I think that it's really helpful just to kind of see um, the perspective that they've laid out and everything. And like I said, it's, I mean, it is, there's heavy parts obviously, um, but it's not, I don't know, like I don't, I've, I've cried like once during that show, but not like, it's not like a super sad thing. So I appreciate yeah. that. 
Yeah. So on the note of like positivity and things like that, I wanted to dive deeper into your mindset and work ethic because I feel like it's super unique, especially for someone who is as young as you are. Um, And I've been very inspired by like your work ethic. So how do you stay so positive? I know your followers want to know that too. And what's your secret to keeping those high spirits when things aren't going, you know, the best? Yeah, so positivity is something that has been important to me for my whole life. As long as I can remember, um, I always pictured myself as the glass half full type of person. Um, And I just really, really value being happy. Um, Like my favorite thing to do in life is laugh. So um, I don't know, it's just kind of like a personality thing to some extent. And even like, for example, like my zodiac sign is a Sagittarius and that is like a trait of a Sagittarius to be like overly optimistic. Um, and it can be even like problematic because, you know, there's like memes or something that Sagittarius will say, like, I know you just failed your math test and your dog died and you lost your job, but can you please stop being in such a bad mood? <laughs> like that is actually me. <laughs> um, so like, I'm not very good at dealing with heavier emotions as I was saying like why I don't like to watch sad shows I just I just operate in like this like la la land of like wanting to be happy and positive all the time um so part of it is just intrinsic like that but also another part of it is just because that's important to me I have made it a point in my life to educate myself on ways to continue the positivity. So I've read so many self-improvement, self-help books on manifesting and positive thinking and, um, you know, just anything like that. That's really about like improving your quality of life and finding inner peace and things like that. I just love learning about that. And I think it is so priceless to me. Um, So whenever I have free time to read a book, I tend to pick up something in that genre and continue to educate myself on that and just build up my toolbox of positivity. So for anyone who's interested in that, I would suggest, you know, diving right into that topic. So reading books on it, listening to podcasts on positivity or TED Talks or anything like that. I mean, I think that has really um, stuck with me as a person, all of that material that I've digested and I think it comes through with my attitude because you know after learning about all those things it just becomes second nature to not even think of them and just do them yeah yeah so off the top of your head do you have a book you might recommend to someone who wants to start being more intentional about their positivity Yeah, um, I have a couple of books. So I know you and I have talked about Jerry and Esther Hicks before. um, Yes. And we love them. So (laughs) a really, really good book by them is called The Astonishing Power of Emotions. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's just this amazing book about, you know, shifting the way that you think to be geared towards positive thinking. Um, And it's, very digestible and it's very well written. There's so many examples. Um, I think that book is incredible. I also love the book, uh, the universe has your back by Gabby Bernstein. 
which is a really good book for anyone who feels um, like they have some anxiety or they're worried about a lot of things. And it's a great book to highlight inner peace. Um, and then lastly, a book that I've read, like, I don't even know how many times. I think the first time I read it, I was probably 14. Um, it's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it's just four pretty simple agreements to live your life by that are very um, evolved. Well, I just got my Audible credit for the month, so I will be getting both of those. <laughs> Yay! I can't wait to hear what you think. Yes. So in addition to being very positive, you also have that go-getter, self-starter attitude. Is that natural to you, I guess? Or is that something that you had to work towards? I would say that is super um, intrinsic to me as well. Like, when I was a little girl, I never owned barbie like i didn't want barbies um instead i would ask my parents to buy me office equipment and like they would go <laughs> to um garage sales and things and they would get me like old fax machines and typewriters and, yeah. and then in my room i would play work like i don't even know <laughs> doing but um you know I would like pretend to answer the phone I would pretend to type I would like I would take all the clothes out of my closet and then I would like pretend to check people out like they were like buying the clothes <laughs> I <laughs> love this back in the closet wow um, yeah so like I've literally been like pretending to work before I was like allowed to work and then um I started like my babysitting and nannying career I guess I'll call it um when I was like 13 or 14 like I started babysitting for the neighbors because I couldn't drive so they just lived right there and then um that just like you know that just like really took off because where I grew up is like a pretty small town everybody knows each other so I just I feel like I babysat for almost every single family in Reno and I used to babysit like three families a day sometimes like I'd go before school in the morning and then I would go um like pick them up after school and then I would go to a different family for like date night or whatever and I've just been like pretty much obsessed with working my whole life wow I admire that so much at like as a child, I was not even close to that, nor was I wanting to ever work, like, period. I think I, I was more afraid of working because I only had one idea of what work was. And I was like, oh, great, like, go to work and sit in a cold office in a cubicle all day with no sunlight. Like, it terrified me. <laughs> but you were like, let's go. I love the hustler attitude. So about it. Like, I was like, don't buy me a Barbie. Like, just buy me a fax machine and I'm going to pretend to work. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. So it's very unique. Yeah. Do you ever have days when you're just not in the mood? And do you have these tricks to kind of pull yourself out and get going again? Funny enough, like I really don't experience that often. Um, I would say, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just like such a like, I, I'm like a fighter person too. Like I just like, I'm very tenacious and um, yeah. like, I just, I don't know. I'm very like hungry for things. I'm just like this sucks like this is so hard but like I just have to see myself come out on the other side so I'll just like literally like put myself through hell to like get through something um <laughs> but actually once this pandemic hit 
uh, back in like March. Mm-hmm. I feel like for the first time in this career, which I've been doing for like four years now, um, I actually like hit a wall where I was like, okay, like, I think it was just because I thought the world was ending. So I was like, well, why the hell am I going to post on social yeah. media when the world is ending? Yeah. Um, so I kind of took a step back then where I was like not feeling inspired in any sense of the word. Like I literally felt like everything was pointless. So I was like, okay, whatever. Like I'm just kind of like mm-hmm. just taking a step back for the first time, which was really foreign for me. Um, but I also think that it was really important and it kind of showed me like, that sometimes I need that and I need to just like take a couple days and like not get ready, like not write out a to-do list, not like stress out about things and like grind, grind, grind. Mm -hmm. And um, I came back from it like a few days later and I felt like better. I mean, I wasn't back to normal, but I was like, okay, like I'm just going to take a couple pictures. Like I'm just going to like slowly get back into this. And I did and it was fine. Um, But I would say like, the most important thing that I learned from that is for someone like me who is go, go, go and constantly grinding, it is actually really important to listen to your body and listen to your mental health. And if there is a point where it feels too much, it's okay to put it down and go pick it up later. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And that's one of the things I was really thankful for with quarantine. I feel like we all, especially, you know, everyone went through something in quarantine, I feel like, but creatives not having this outlet like they used to anymore, I feel like it was really important for us to like dissect what that meant. And, you know, for you, it was like, slow down, just it's okay to stop. Like the world is still going to spin. It's all good. But also before we started recording, we were talking about how our to-do list never actually end. So it's okay to take the break because we're still going to be in the same place of always having a to-do list. So it's really important that we kind of learn that now instead of always pushing ourselves to this burnout. Exactly. With mindset to... Is there anything you do kind of in the same house of, you know, pulling yourself out of things, but when the negativity is coming from your audience, what do you do in cases like that? I mean, I think that criticism is important and um, I think it's hard for anyone who's human to um, accept criticism. So I think that's a muscle that I'm actively always working on because I know that that's an important part of this human experience to listen to people's criticism and to be able to absorb it and do something good with it. So when I have my audience reach out to me with an honest concern and um, a civil, compassionate approach, I try to be receptive to that. I try to, um, I mean, I can't be a people pleaser when you have a large following on social media. There's no way you're going to make everyone happy. So I don't put myself in that situation, but um, I do just try to take everything with a grain of salt and hear people out for their concerns. Um, And obviously everything is valid to some extent. So it's important to take what you can from that and do better in the future without you know, reaching for this idea of being perfect for everyone. But um, on the other side of that, when someone is actually just being mean, um, it's pretty easy for me to just be like, I don't care, especially when something's not true. Um, For example, like 
this is just like a stupid example, but I've had people call me fat online before. And like I wear the smallest size of things that there is. Like I'm a small person. So obviously that doesn't affect me because I'm like, well, I'm not fat. So like, yeah, like I just like, I can't even, like I can't give it any like thought um, because it's just like a really weird reality. Um, So for things like that, it's really easy to just like shrug off. Um, And then I also just try to remind myself like that these people are people and Mm -hmm. they're obviously going through something. Um, So I always try to be kind still when someone is being mean, even though that can be really challenging and hard. It honestly feels better to me. Um, Like I feel better leaving that interaction if I was still able to remain kind because it's just so important to me to be kind. Um, and then I just like, I think of the people and I'm like, why would you take advice from someone who is like treating a stranger online like this? Or like, what kind of person is this? Like, think of all the people that you look up to in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be like Oprah, it could be your mom, it could be Buddha. And you just think like, would Buddha ever sit around and like say this to someone? No. And like Mm -hmm. Buddha is the person that I want to be more like, like he's the person (laughs) I would take advice from, not this person. So like, how are you going to give them any credit when like they're, they don't hold any weight to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so powerful. And it's so true that hurt people hurt people. Like once I heard that, I was like, yo, it's not even worth the energy anymore. Cause they're just mirroring off something that they probably feel about themselves. And that to me is like, it's very sad. So I'm just like, leave them with love and light and kindness. And on other days when I'm feeling more like a Scorpio, I just hit them with the block. Like that's, <laughs> that's my approach. But I love that you are always keeping kindness in mind, even when people technically don't deserve your kindness. So kudos Mm -hmm. to you. So have you ever fallen into the comparison trap? I feel like for myself personally, the first year was very hard for me to just keep my head down and keep grinding so I could see the rewards. Um, But I'm curious if you've ever had any experiences like that. And if so, what have you done to pull yourself out? Yeah, um, I definitely have. I think that it's only natural, especially in this industry, to compare yourself. Um, And I would imagine like other careers, it's similar. Like, you know, I I don't really know what that's like personally, but I would imagine in like an office setting or something, if you worked there for a long time and you have colleagues um, and maybe like they get a promotion or maybe like you're a realtor and they're selling more houses than you or whatever it is, it's just almost impossible to not be like, well, this is what I'm doing and this is what they're doing. What they're doing looks better than what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's totally natural, but it's also something that you want to be like cognizant of and definitely like turn in a different direction before you end up going like way too far down something and becoming obsessively concerned about how someone's performing versus how you're performing. Um, And something that helps me with that is honestly just remembering like the only person you're competing with is yourself and just kind of doing like side by sides of yourself and being like, well, a year ago, if you would have told me that I would have gotten to work with this company or like I would have had, you know, 10,000 followers or something like I would have been like freaking out, jumping for joy, not even believing you. So you kind of have to like bring yourself back to the past and be like, 
this is about you and look how far you have come in your personal journey. Like this is amazing and you should be proud of yourself. So um, I think when that happens, it's just really helpful to like center in on your personal journey and your experience and highlight exactly where you have come and what you've done and just focus on that instead of what's going on with someone else. Because on the other side of that, you don't even know what's going on in this person's personal life. So to like compare yourself to their social media is also just foolish because, you know, they may be getting more likes than you or working with a company that you want to work with or whatever it is. But like, that's, that's neither here nor there when it comes to like, success at life. So kind of just like leave it to them and leave your stuff to yourself. One thing I learned through the comparison game as well is if I ever start to feel it creep in, like it does every now and then, I will say this mantra to myself that my success is inevitable. And that just rings so much happiness and joy and light for me that it literally does not matter what I do I'm still going to get where I need to get because my success is inevitable. So I encourage you guys to write some type of mantra that can pull you out and remind you in those dark times that it's going to be fine no matter what your circumstances currently are. I love that. Yes. So moving into our boy, Clayton, we (laughs) want to know the story. When did you guys start dating? How did you meet? Okay, so Clayton and I started dating when we were 20. And we're both currently 27. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so cute. <laughs> yes. And we met in college. So Clayton and I were actually neighbors in college. And people like don't really know this about us because this is not the way we are at all anymore. But in college, Clayton and I were literally like the two like craziest party people ever like we were no we were just like binge drinking every day like I'm not I'm not promoting this I'm just like owning my past yeah yeah um but yeah so Clayton and I were drunk neighbors basically (laughs) we were both always having parties and we were going to each other's parties and we were hanging out whatever um and you know it was it was very like innocent and just cute and very drunk like I'm, I'm not kidding when I say like we didn't hang out sober until like <laughs> six months after dating and like the first time we were hanging out sober I was like uh like should I take a shot like what is going on oh my what god should we do? Like, honestly uh, we were all like that in college though like it's it's fine yeah exactly so um Anyways, fast forward, we grew out of that phase, obviously, because now we, like, basically don't drink any alcohol. Um, but, so, yeah, we we went through college together. We went through our crazy party phase together. And then we turned 21, and we kind of just, like, got over it. And then we graduated together. We moved to the Bay Area. Um, then we moved down to Southern California. You know, we've just been doing everything together. How did Clayton feel about your career as an influencer, I guess, when you first started? He has always been, like, incredibly supportive from Mm -hmm. the beginning. So as I mentioned earlier, when I decided I started a blog, I went and bought a camera. And I came home with a camera, and I handed it to Clayton. And I was like, I don't know how to work this, but I'm starting a blog. So, like, can you figure out how to work this? (laughs) Because I need you to take the photos. Figure it out, please. (laughs) And then... um, he literally did just that. Like he spent a lot of time on YouTube, like watching tutorials and 
he practiced his photography a lot. And um, basically, ever since that that weekend that I bought the camera, Clayton and I have taken photos together every single weekend since then. Wow. Like, I need whatever <laughs> advice. Like, he just gets your angles and does it out of the kindness of his heart. Like... <laughs> You know, I'm not going to lie. It's not so peachy on my end some days. And I really, really don't know what the trick is there. So one day, AJ's going to have to meet Clayton. And I'm going to tell Clayton, just go ahead and tell him how much you love this and convince him that this is what he wants. That's that's what I want for AJ. But Well, yeah, you know what Clayton's um, his advice is to any Instagram hubby or whatever you want to call them? Please tell um, his coined term is smile and click. Huh. Wow. Oh my gosh. I just heard the most beautiful phrase of my life. <laughs> like, whatever it's getting a little dicey, yeah. just be like, just smile and click, please. Like, <sighs> Okay, I'm using that. I'm tattooing it on my face, everything, <laughs> all the above. Thank you for that. Tell Clayton I said thank you. <laughs> thank you for the nugget of, of gold info, Clayton. <laughs> Amazing. So he is Clayton is your coworker now, right? Is am I correct there? Yes. Okay, so how did we get to this point of him leaving whatever previous job he was at and him working alongside with you? Okay, so um like I mentioned, Clayton and I are very close and we've always done everything together. So literally like since the first night that we ever like had a sleepover in college, we've never spent the night apart since, um, like voluntarily, like sometimes if someone was traveling or something, yes. But like, I remember like, I've had a lot of friends in relationships who's like, you know, you're just like, you see your partner like two or three times a week. Cause that's just what works for you. And like, that's cool too. Um, but with me and Clayton, it's just been, like, we've been attached at the hip, like, the whole relationship, pretty much, mm-hmm. um, and so he used to be a mechanical engineer, and he had, like, a normal job, obviously, he would go to, he would leave for work really early in the morning, so he could work out before, so he would leave at, like, five or six, and then we lived kind of far away from his work, um, and so then he wouldn't get home till, like, six, seven, eight sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And for me and him, um, that was like really hard for us because we're super close and that's Monday through Friday, like the entire day apart. And I just didn't want that for my life um, and didn't want that for our relationship. So I was like very dedicated to manifesting and creating a life that would allow us to spend more time together because I'm like, if this is Monday through Friday, you know, five days a week for 40 years or whatever it is that's like that's your whole life that we just spent apart and like Mm -hmm. I don't want that um so we just worked super super hard as I mentioned taking photos every single weekend um sometimes like in the summer and stuff we would shoot photos when he was off work um and just you know sometimes we would meet on his lunch break and take photos just like grinding 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 Mm -hmm. trying to build up the social media business that I have um, or that we have, I should say, because he's always helped me to a point that would allow him to leave his job so that we could enjoy the lifestyle that we wanted, which is spending more time together. So I love basically that. we just 
worked away, chipped away at that um, for a couple of years until we felt comfortable doing that. And then we just took the took the leap. I absolutely love that. And I feel like it's really unique that you guys love that time together. Not that like most couples don't, but I feel like we're so used to not spending time that we don't see anything weird about that. Like being in a relationship with someone and then being somewhere else like 40 hours a week, like you said, you don't really think about that. And I feel like the longer I've worked from home, I've been realizing that like, wow, it's, it's really lonely here. I wish I could hang out with AJ or like, you know, do more things together. So totally understand that. Um, what would you say are pros and cons to working with your partner? I would say the pros is just spending all that time together and being able to live the lifestyle that you want in that sense, like just you know, spending the bulk of your life with your partner instead of spending the bulk of your life at a company with other people, which there's nothing wrong with that. If that's like what works for people, but I just knew that's not what I wanted for my life. Um, And Clayton feels the same way. So that is like the biggest plus I would say. I mean, like when we want to go visit our families now, like we can just go visit our families. Like he doesn't have to ask his employer for time off or like if we want to travel somewhere, we can travel there and we can still work while we're there. So like, we don't have to ask anyone for time off. Like we've created this job and this lifestyle that allows us to work while we're on vacation, which like we're so grateful for. Um, And then I would say the cons is just that it's, um, it's like maybe a little bit invasive to a relationship because it's like your coworkers, you're also, Uh, life partners and sometimes like things just get muddled it's like okay well you're being like an annoying rude co-worker but like you're still my boyfriend or whatever so I'm (laughs) supposed to love you and it's just like you know like things just get a little bit like messy um in that sense sometimes so you kind of just have to be aware of that and have really good communication so that you don't end up like in a situation where you're like upset about work and not really thinking about your relationship. Yeah. So if hypothetically speaking, if, you know, you're in that muddled situation and things are a little bit intense that day, do you guys do anything specific? Like, do you need to take a break or have a chat? What do you normally do to kind of ease those moments out? Yeah. I mean, I think that the best thing is just to take like a little bit of space here and there. Um, like if you feel like, you know, you're just not seeing eye to eye on an issue or whatever, it's like, okay, you know, just go work on a different task for a little while, like just stay in your own lanes and cool off. Um, and then after that, we usually have like a really good talk and like communicate like, okay, well, this was my idea and this is how I wanted it to be. And then, you know, the other shares their side and they're like, okay, like I thought that this would have worked or whatever it is. Like you just have to communicate really well um, and give yourself like time and space to like cool off. So it's not like a heated discussion. It's more productive. Yeah. Communication when everyone is level headed is super beautiful. What would you say are some goals that you have for the near future? Goals that I have for the near future, um, well, first and foremost on my list is to get my house decorated and <laughs> actually unpack my boxes, which, you know, <laughs> as we were mentioning with our never-ending to-do lists, 
um, that little project just keeps getting pushed to the bottom of the bottom of my to-do list. I'm like, okay, one day, hopefully this is all um, in order. So I'm really Mm -hmm. excited about that. Okay, and then another exciting thing that we have coming up is launching a clothing line, which has been like a lifelong dream of mine. I've been drawing clothes since I was a little girl and obviously obsessed with them. Um, So that's super exciting. And it's a new business venture as well. So kind of excited slash nervous to see what that's all about. Yay. Well, congrats. First of all, that's amazing. Um, I feel like that is such a huge milestone for a lot of influencers to get to the point of having a brand that you own. So I can't wait to see that. And you you. know, I will be the first one to snatch up those pieces. So I got my card ready. (laughs) Let's go. Swipe, swipe. Um, So yeah, we will definitely be looking out for that. And I will be sure to link anything that is yours or that you're attached to platforms, all that in the show notes. But before we close out, will you just tell everybody where they can find you and what platforms you're on? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Delaney Childs. You can find me on YouTube at Delaney Childs. You can find me on TikTok at Delaney Childs. And then my blog is thestyledseed.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I just can't wait to share all this information with everyone. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy. And I always love talking to you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to come follow me on all social media platforms at the username Hey Jones and check back here once a week as I put out new episodes. Keep being a light in this world and we'll chat soon.